Thank you for tuning in to the Mindful Babes podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Adams, mindset coach, entrepreneur, and manifestation enthusiast. I am obsessed with supporting you in living the life of your dreams. Each week, I'll be providing you with a quick bite of mind food so you can live the life that you were put on this planet to live. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Babes podcast. I am over the moon, so excited for today's episode. I have a very special guest with me, Rachel Joy, and we just have so many incredible things to chat about with you today and a little backstory on the incredible Rachel. So Rachel is a board certified trainer and master practitioner in NLP, EFT, time techniques, clinical hypnotherapy, and life and success coaching. And Rachel has an extensive background in health coaching. She's done personal training and addiction counseling, and she takes a super unique approach to generate freedom in her clients' lives. And while she does focus on the online marketing and business strategy aspect, she stresses the importance of mind-body connection and that really being the foundation for anything you want to create in your life and business. And this is something Rachel and I have connected on, you know, just in general, we know how important it is to be doing the inner work and that success is far more than just what to do and marketing and strategy and all that. And so I was super excited when she said yes to coming on the podcast. Um, We're going to have a really powerful conversation. So we're going to dive in and thank you, Rachel, for being here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to see what magic we're about to brew together. Me too. Me too. I know it's going to be really good. So I'm so curious to hear because, you know, obviously what I see in front of me is this woman who is, you know, super successful. She's impacting hundreds of lives. You're a mom, you have an incredible husband, and I would love to just hear a little bit about your journey like I said, kind of that fork in the road moment of like when you feel like life really shifted for you, if you're mm. open to sharing. Yeah, of course. The big, I mean, there were two fork in the roads, but the second fork in the road wouldn't have happened if the first fork in the road didn't start. You know, there's always this evolution. We're never quite there yet, right? So there's always these forks and journeys that were going on. But the very, very first fork in the road was for me when I was 19, 20 years old, 20, let's go with 20. I was 20 years old and I was just coming out of an extremely toxic relationship. Um... I was putting myself in that relationship, but it was extremely toxic. And I was extremely depressed, extremely anxious. I was self-medicating with weed and alcohol. And I had a whole bunch of childhood trauma that was just unresolved at that time. And I didn't realize at the time that it was causing me to behave in certain ways and think in certain ways and feel in certain ways. And I just had this moment where I knew that I couldn't live like that anymore. I was in so much emotional pain and it was coming to a point where, you know, what I was using wasn't working for me anymore. Like weed and alcohol, I was not getting high, being drunk wasn't working and I was going to have to do something more. And I had addiction run in my family. So I had that stuff available to me. And I remember sitting with something in my hand, staring at it, going, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? And in that moment, I had like my life flash forward before my eyes. And I just saw myself as a mom. This is really trippy for me to share as a mom now, but I saw myself as a mom um, hurting my kids the same way that my mom at the time had hurt me. She ended up going to treatment when I was 11 years old for alcoholism. And while I'm so grateful that she's sober and she got the help that she needed, For me at 11 years old, it was a big, like impactful moment to be the only girl with two older brothers, daddy's making toast for dinner because he's not cooking. And I just felt very much alone and had a broken family at that point in time. So I remember in that moment, just flashing forward, I was like, I can't do that. Like I could see where my life's going. And I went to my mom who was then sober at the time. I said, mom, I know I have greatness within me. I want to be great. I just don't know how to be great. And I would say within a week, like five days later, I was on a plane to treatment in Salt Lake city, Utah. Wow. So that's how it all started. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for opening up and sharing that. And I just think that's so beautiful that you had that moment where it was like, 
it's almost like, you know, God or the universe like gifted you this vision of what life would look like, like a timeline almost of like, here's what your life will look like if you keep going down this path. Yeah. And like, it's so crazy how fast things change when we make a decision. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, so tell me more about what happened after that decision and you're on the plane, like what unfolded from there? Well, on the plane, I mean, once I got there, I actually convinced my mom that I don't need to go because the fear, you know, there's always when you want that one thing, there's still, even though you want something so badly, there's still fear. And you can relate this to business. Even there's fear of like wanting that thing, but then, oh, what does it mean of who I'm going to have to be in order to get that thing or what I'm going to have to do in order to get that thing. And so for me, I remember she was driving me to the treatment center, which was, it was like an hour and a half, an hour away outside of Salt Lake City. And so we had to drive. I'm like, mom, you know, we don't really need to go. We can just like have a girl's shopping trip and everything will be fine when we get home. She's like, no, you're going. And so I remember like having that moment of wanting to back out. But once I was there, like you said, things happen fast. And so I remember it actually being one of the most pivotal, memorable times of my life. So much so that I believe that treatment is, or rehab, if you want to call it that, is something that everyone should experience. Like, even if you don't have an addiction, it's this opportunity, like how rare is it that we have an opportunity to put ourselves in an environment where you have complete focus on you. There's no outside distractions. There's no social media. There's nobody else, like no family members, no friends, just you, your mind, your thoughts, your life that you've lived up until this moment. And you get to sift through that. Most people don't have that opportunity. And when it's done in a conducive environment for healing, like we got to go to the movies, we had equine therapy where we got to play with horses. Like I got to explore my inner child. And it was the first time ever at that point in time where I could actually say, oh, this is what happiness is, or I'm actually starting to love who I am. Up until that point, I didn't know what true happiness was. I didn't know how to love myself. And that was when it all started for me. So from there, I came home and I continued my recovery journey. And I wanted to support other people to feel that same way. So I went to school for addiction counseling. Um, From there, I was, my first role, my first job was working with court mandated, mandated men who have either been um, having a case for domestic violence or DUIs or sometimes both. And it was a very activating, triggering (laughs) job for me because of my own history. And I'm also in early recovery that I was like, you know what? I don't know about this. I love helping people, but I want a position that's going to be supportive of my own healing journey as well. So that's when I started kind of exploring coaching. And my mom was like, oh, Rach, I have a friend who just became a health coach. That's something you could do. So I explored that. And the ball, like you said, it started rolling all the way to the point where I started getting certified in NLP to becoming a business coach, to becoming a trainer and certifying other coaches now as well. Yeah. Oh, that's so incredible. And going back to like, you know, when you were at the recovery center and you were stripped away of all the, you know, vices you had, all the things that you would turn to to numb, it's like all you're left with is yourself and you got to explore and do all these things to bring out your inner child. Do you remember some of the thoughts or some of the things that you had been internally running away from that came up in recovery right away? Like what were some of those big things? Yes. Um, the biggest thing, and I always go back to like, I call it my core wound. Cause we all have like these core limiting beliefs or core emotional wounds that kind of dictate how we project and perceive the, our own unique model of the world. And so for me, that one comes down to not enoughness. Like I was never good enough, never smart enough, never pretty enough, never wealthy enough, never popular enough. It was never enough in any possible way for me. And while I've done a great amount of work on that, when I hit that upper limit in my life, particularly usually in business these days, because business is a great reflection for your own inner work. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I noticed that it always comes back down to that root of not enoughness in some capacity. Mm. Yeah, that's so big. And then it's like, it's up to us to really sit with that because 
alcohol, weed, like it, you know, that it takes it away for a moment, but it always comes back. And I remember, you know, for me, like it was partying a lot is what really helped me. And I've actually been exploring that even now because I haven't partied in, you know, like four, four years or whatever. Like I, I don't drink alcohol anymore, but there was something about partying that I actually really loved. And I've been doing work around that. And I'm like, I love how just myself I am like with alcohol. It's like, I become happier and more conversational. And I loved like I was always that girl at a party where it's like, I would be in the corner with one person talking about life, like talking about law of attraction, <laughs> like weird stuff. And so, you know, when, once I decided to pivot my lifestyle away from that, that's when I got to sit with a lot of, you know, things about myself. And so I think it's really interesting. Like, what are some of the other ways that people numb that you've seen? Like, I know shopping for me was a big one. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting, actually. So I agree with you on the partying, just so you know, like I was a completely different person when I had alcohol in me. I was confident. I was sassy. I was the it girl at the party, but then I'd come to school. And if I wasn't drunk or high, I'd be that like quiet little girl who didn't want anyone to look at me or talk to me or like I was invisible almost. Um, but what I did want to say, and what are those other vices? It's very common. And I experienced this as well, actually, where when you get rid of one vice, oftentimes we'll switch addictions or switch, you know, those mechanisms for coping to fill that void. And so for me personally, I went from, um, substances to shopping, like you said, to um, even shoplifting. That was a thrill for a little bit, which this is the first time I've publicly spoken about that. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New evolution here. I did uh, make my wrongdoings right by returning the goods when I got sober and everything like that. But um, shoplifting was one. And then from there, it even went to boys and relationships because yeah. before treatment, I always believed I wasn't pretty enough or not hot enough or not good enough. And then as my confidence rose and I didn't have that vice anymore, now I'm like, Oh boys. Hi. And that was never who I was. So I've started filling the void with men instead. Mm, And then it's like, you probably felt more confidence. Like you're more, you know, grown into who you are as a woman. And so it's like, being able to see like how you can have now, how you could have at that point, what you didn't have in the past with men and attention and yeah, all that. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I, I feel even for me, like I even noticed still like addictions come up in a way like for, I remember at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, my addiction was like always reading personal development books. And like, I felt like I always had to be consuming something or reading something or listening to a podcast. And it's, it's like, I don't know, sometimes it feels like an mischanneled energy or something like that. So yeah, I feel like, do you feel like that still shows up like for entrepreneurs and business, like the addiction? Oh, 100%. I always say, and I joke, but it's, it holds true to it that <laughs> entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because we're just trying to channel our traumas or our inner child wounds into something more positive. Like it's a trauma response for many of us because we need to feel valued. We need to feel validated. We want to feel loved. We want to feel respected. And so we channel our energy into this thing that we can birth and create so that we can say, well, look how good I am. Look all all the greatness I've created for myself and others because of the mess. I'm no longer that I'm this instead. And even though it's created beauty, it's a trauma response for so, so many of us, like the constant need to be connected to social media, the constant working. I know many of us hustle and work way more than we admit we do or want to even be working. We created a business to have time, freedom and financial freedom, not to be connected to our businesses 24 mm-hmm. seven. And many of us wake up at like, I don't know, eight, we get to sleep in most of us if we're entrepreneurs. So you start yes. your day, let's say at 11, like I do, yes. but then you go <laughs> to like 10 o'clock at night. What kind of freedom is that? That's not right. But it's because we're overworking, trying to receive that achievement and that validation of the not enoughness, for example. Yes. I love that you brought this up because my core wound is worthiness. Like I need to do X before I can be worthy of blank. Mm -hmm. And so perfect mirror being an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, I've reached, you know, I've had a lot of success and 
what I can fall back on is like, oh, well, I've worked really hard. Like, oh, well, I've, you know, put in a lot of work and this and that. And so that's been the number one thing that I'm always trying to heal because I believe that our core wounds are always with us and they show up in different ways and there's different layers. So I've really been moving through the, you know, the, the work portion where it's like, I love to work, but how much, you know, is too much. And so I love that you brought that up about entrepreneurs, because I think we all share that we love to work. We want to be proud of something and your business. It's the perfect, almost like excuse. Like no one would ever be like, Oh, Rachel's spending too much time on her business. It's like, respect it. It's like, Oh, like she's hustling, like amazing. She's a boss, but it's like, where is that balance? So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Thank you. And I, for me, like not enoughness is linked to worthiness, right? That's what it, I was thinking. Very similar. So yeah. I actually had, ironically, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I had a conversation with one of my clients today and she said the exact same thing as you, like, I need to do X in order to receive or be deserving of Y. And this is, was a learning I received in the past few years since becoming a mom, just simply loving and observing my son as a newborn. And I noticed that, you know, what if we gave ourselves the same unconditional love and support that we give a child, you know, a child, a newborn baby doesn't need to learn how to go potty or doesn't need to walk in order for us to give it love. We just give it love no matter what we were once that newborn baby. We are the exact same soul that we were when we first came into this earth. So therefore we are worthy of love unconditionally for no other reason than because of the fact that we exist here, right here, right now. Sure. Yeah. That's huge. And then it's like, it's about addressing what happened in between when we were that (laughs) newborn baby and we had trust. We never worried about like, oh my God, how am I going to get fed tonight? Or like, you know, we never worried about that. So it's like what happened in between that experience of being completely cared for versus now where we think there are so many barriers in between us and being worthy of receiving what we want. Yeah. Exactly. That's so big. So I would love to hear more about, I know, so you went into coaching, which it sounds like that made more sense for you. Like just even knowing your personality, like you're a go-getter and I love the energy of coaching is that it's forward moving. Like, of course we address the past. I love that forward movingness. So can you talk a little bit about your journey going from health to business and then where NLP comes in and also like a little bit more of an explanation of what NLP is, because I think it's represented online and people can Google it, but like you are an expert. So I'd love to hear more. Sure. Of course. Okay. So became a health coach and I had this big dream for a while of wanting to create impact. I did not do that right off the bat. I had my Instagram bio say health coach with no links, no offers, no call to actions in my content, just literally like, Oh, let's call myself a health coach and hope that people will find me. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived my Instagram page like that for nine months to a year. And nothing really came of it until I found myself at a Tony Robbins event. And I say found myself because I want a ticket. I didn't know who the guy was, but wow. Divine intervention happened, I guess. And I ended up there and I had this moment where I saw him intervening on a woman and her story was so much of my story. Mm. And I was crying like tears of gratitude because I knew the pain that she had experienced, but I also knew like the victory that lay on the other side for her Mm. once she decided to make that shift. And that was the moment where it clicked. I was like, oh my God, I'm not supposed to be, I was in school for interior design while doing my health coaching because I wasn't really sure where I was going to land. So I was like, I'm not supposed to be interior designer. I'm supposed to be coaching. I'm supposed to be doing this all along. Like, let's, let's go. It's time. Like you got to play big. Um, so that was my first experience with NLP was Tony Robbins, um, event. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I had only done like a lot of traditional different varieties of therapy, which still created great impact, but I saw the biggest breakthrough at his event so much so that I went to another one. And that second event was the one that created the biggest transformation for me in terms of my like inner knowing of my personal power to the point that it was, my purpose was undeniable. My success, even though it hadn't been there yet, was inevitable. And I knew that it was inevitable. So Mm -hmm. from there, I took the action and I hired my first coach, 
took the risk, made the big investments, did all the things, uh, started taking the action. And then within six months time, I had my first 10K month. Now I want to say that and be transparent because the month after that, I had an $800 month. And so most times people talk about all these numbers and don't give context. So I want to make sure that, you know, that, yeah, I had a six, 10 K month, six months in, but it wasn't all like rainbows and sunshine. Like there was a lot of inner work, like I was saying, our business provides and brings that out into us. Um, it's a mirror essentially. And so the mirror for me was the external validation that I was seeking at that time with the numbers. So how I got to that point of this is 10 K month was I was doing self-love coaching. Um, and then so much so like people were starting to ask me like, Hey, Rachel, what are you doing? How are you doing it? I want to know how I can monetize my passion. So I transitioned into business at that point in time. When I started transitioning into business coaching, I do have a very good business mind. Both my parents are entrepreneurs. Um, so it's kind of like a natural ability for me. And well, at the time I didn't know much, but I was invested in so many things that I learned a lot of different things very quickly. And when I made that transition, one of the things I invested in was my NLP certification. Um, So for those of you who are listening, what is NLP in like simple terms, I call it essentially the user manual to the subconscious mind, which we make majority of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors from our subconscious. So when you think about that, you're essentially running on autopilot on a day-to-day basis. And when you know how to communicate effectively to the subconscious, it's that much easier to get on board to do the things that you want to do, to be the things that you want to be and to have the things that you want to have Mm -hmm. because you're simply in constant rapport with yourself. And so from there, you can then live the life that you ultimately dream of. So I call it the science of manifestation. Like it's not, oh, let me just visualize my desires. Let me jump up and down and be in that frequency. It's let me hack the system with a formula that's actually going to get me to where I want to be. Um, So it stands for neuro-linguistic programming. That's what NLP stands for. The neuro is the nervous system and how we bring in information through our five senses. The linguistic is language. So the language that we're attaching to it. Um, And then the programming is all the programs of the mind. So how our mind actually processes all that information that we're taking in to generate a particular result that you then see in your reality. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took my NLP certification and as I was coaching my clients, um, I noticed that I was able to get results for them. Like if they were building their businesses, they were signing clients, they were feeling confident, but they were falling short with their clients. And I was like, what's this missing link? Why is it working for them? But it's not working for their clients. Like what's happening? And I noticed that the gap was that they didn't know what I knew. They didn't know NLP. They didn't know hypnotherapy. They didn't know tapping. They didn't know these modalities that create change on a subconscious level. They were just, you know, using what they knew, which was journal affirmations, jump up and down, dance, Mm. talk about your feelings. Like there, those things work and you can also create change so much faster and so much easier on a subconscious level. So that's when I was like, lasting change. pardon? Lasting change. Yes. Yes. Cause that's, that's where it happens. It's on the subconscious level. I was like, Oh, okay. So maybe I should teach this to people. And (laughs) I was also very fed up with how the coaching industry was being run and still is in some aspects. Like I do think if you're helping people, it's one thing to really want to help somebody, but it's another to have the qualifications and education apart from personal experience to truly create that change. Mm -hmm. And then because it's an unregulated industry, you have people who aren't experienced at all traumatizing people and charging 10 K to traumatize that person. And then there's people who are actually qualified who are charging like three or four K. So there was this big gap and I was really frustrated with that. So I wanted to give coaches the tools that they needed to create change on a lasting way that leaves create, creates an empowered lasting change. Um, from a trauma sensitive scope so that they could go out into the world and create that change that they deeply desired, knowing that they're doing good in this world. Yeah. Oh, so powerful. And I love like, you know, with me is, and so for anyone listening, I'm also certified in NLP. I have my master practitioner in those modalities. And what I love is having a toolkit because, you know, like just different things where 
and this is the thing. So for anyone who's interested in NLP, which Rachel will share later about opportunities she has to actually help certify you in these modalities. If you're a coach and you really want to provide the biggest impact for your clients, like it's just so incredible that you can be like, oh, I see a client is having a challenge through this belief or, oh, like let's address where this came from. Like there's just different tools that you can pull on. And it just, it feels it feels amazing to be able to go to bed at night and be like, I know that I can help a client with almost like anything, or I know mm-hmm. that I have different modalities that they can use. And the changes can happen really, really rapidly and really fast when you're working with a, someone who's a practitioner in those areas. And what I actually was curious, Rachel is going back to the Tony Robbins event. I know you had mentioned, you're like, you know, he was using NLP and, I feel like a lot of people, it's like, we don't, it seems like, whoa, like he's doing magic and he's so great at what (laughs) he does. And, you know, he, he, and I don't know if he calls it NLP or if he calls it like whatever process he uses, but can you explain kind of like, because there's probably people listening who have been to a Tony Robbins event, or maybe they've seen the Netflix documentary. I'm not your guru. Like, can you explain what specifically you observed that he was working through with this woman that gave you that aha moment and kind of like what you notice him doing. And I think that can help connect some dots with that. So at that point in time, I hadn't known or experienced NLP. So I didn't know what he was doing, but looking back on it, I can see, I'm pretty sure he refers to NLP, but he also talks about positive psychology a lot. Mm. Um, so at the, anyway, with this, this intervention, he was utilizing a variety of different techniques. He was utilizing rapport. He was in deep rapport with her so that he, you know, she felt safe enough to talk about what it is that she was working through. And she also trusted him enough to support her in that transformation. And he was also using quantum linguistics, like how he was positioning the questions that he was asking her so that she could have a change to loosen up the boundaries of the problem that she was experiencing simply through words and communication is so powerful. So it wasn't even anything drastic or major in that instance. It was more just being an effective coach. Mm -hmm. That's what it came down to. Um, But in the event itself, I mean, looking back on it, he definitely, he talks a lot about living at cost, like taking radical personal responsibility for your life. He talks a lot about the importance of your state. So your physiology, um, your body language is 55% of communication and your communication Mm -hmm. creates your reality. So that's a big chunk. And then he also leveraged um, some modalities techniques. So I know you understand this, our listeners might, so let's break it down a little, might not. I mean, so let's break it down a little, but he would do an adapted version of some modalities techniques where some modalities is essentially your internal representation of your mind. So if you, your mind thinks in pictures and symbols, not actually words. So if I say, think of a blue tree, you're going to see a picture of a blue tree. You're not going to see the words blue tree in your mind. So that your mind now has a picture in which we call an internal representation. So to create a change for you to feel confident, for example, he would play up those submodalities that where he'd be like, is it big? Is it bright? Make it bigger, make it brighter, bring it closer, make it, make it more colorful. Notice if it's colorful or black and white. So he was doing that, those techniques with us without even realizing it, which was, which was really, really cool. Yes. Yeah. And it's those things like the way I, I find, you know, it's like the quality of the questions you're asked. That's what it, going to lead to a breakthrough because you have the answers within you. And it's about what questions are you being asked? What are you looking at? What are you exploring? And so that's why, like with Tony Robbins, it's so incredible that he brings people up and it's like, they have a huge breakthrough in like minutes and that's, what's available with NLP. And it's so cool. Cause it's like, we can help our clients get results. You know, it's like, yes, we can work. They can sign on to work with us for six months. And it's like, you know, how would that feel in the first session to have like, you know, exactly what you came hired your coach for, like to have that be resolved and shifted. And so it's like, so endless. And I would love to talk with you more about, you know, entrepreneurship in general, and some of the things that you see on a subconscious level that maybe hold some entrepreneurs back. This could be around like Mm. money, like work, hustle, all that. And like differences you notice with, you know, your clients who you help them reprogram their subconscious, help them through NLP modalities, like what opens up for them through doing this inner work. 
So there's a few different areas that I see a lot of patterns in. Um, one is definitely money mindset, your relationship with money. I mean, I've never met a successful entrepreneur and I'm going to even go beyond entrepreneur and say a successful CEO. Like when you think of the people who have really, really thrived in this world, they all have a fantastic, strong money mindset. You cannot possibly be successful without, with a crappy money mindset. Like it just, in terms of success, obviously the word successful means something different to everyone, but in the context of business success is oftentimes related to money because that determines the success of your business. Like if your business isn't making money, then what's the point of having your business, right? So in context of money, you just can't have a crappy money mindset. It's not going to serve you. So that's one area is repairing relationships and the programming around money. Oftentimes what you grew up with and what you see um, in your financial world growing up plays into your business. So I can only speak from personal experience, but I grew up in an upper middle-class family. I did, went to sleepover camp. I did competitive dance. I was given opportunities. I went to private school and yet my parents always said, I remember them fighting. It's not enough. It's not enough. You got to stop shopping. It's not enough. And so I noticed that pattern come into my business where I would make money, good money, more money than most people make in a year. And it still wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And sometimes to the point I would even sabotage my success where I would have the money and then something would happen, whether it was a mistake in my business or having high team expenses that would actually bring down that money to the point where I had none. It's like, well, how can I make a half a million dollars a year and have no money? That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It's because of my programming. So that's one area that I've worked myself constantly with and then also Mm -hmm. support my clients through. Another way is definitely the hustle, which comes down to worthiness, like we were spoken speaking about and then there was one other one that flew out of my mind what was it um oh fear of failure versus fear of success so oftentimes people say well I don't really want to do this thing because I'm afraid of failing and disappointing my family but then we dive deeper we ask those powerful questions and we actually find out that they're just afraid to shine because they don't want the judgment that comes with it, or they don't want to be put on a pedestal or the responsibility of great success. Like when you are successful, naturally there's going to be haters. There's just nothing you Mm. can do about that. You're not going to be able to please everyone because you're not for everyone. So how do you work through all of that? And that comes down to like the techniques that you're sharing where, whether it's hypnotherapy, I love hypno for painting a more compelling future like that. Um, Hypnotherapy, tapping I love using for money mindset in particular um and then also I would say time techniques are those three for those particular things are my favorite Mm. apart from quantum linguistics because I'm always asking those powerful questions yeah that's the beautiful thing about NLP too like I remember our trainer saying and maybe this is something you say to your students that NLP, it's not a do to process like you're not doing NLP to somebody you're doing it with somebody so you know, working with an NLP trainer or an NLP practitioner, like someone like Rachel, someone like myself, like naturally, like we're asking, we're actually doing NLP with you and you don't always know. So we're not always saying like, okay, now we're going to do NLP. And that's the beautiful thing about it. (laughs) It can become really fluid and something that you're just weaving into your coaching and supporting your clients. And so I love what you were sharing around money stuff, around hustling, around fear of success, you know, fear of visibility, fear of, you know, because with success, like you said, comes that responsibility. And to me, it's like the more income you're making, it's a reflection of the impact you're making. So you probably are serving more people. You're having more people in your programs, like your client roster is getting bigger. Maybe you're having courses and it's like with that does come the space to attract unhappy people or displeased customers or clients. And so I think what you shared was so, all of that was so great because at the end of the day, we always go back to what's comfortable and what's familiar. So for, if it's actually like, believe it or not, you know, on a subconscious level, it's more comfortable to not have enough money for a lot of people, because it's like, what would life be like to have more than I need? Like that can feel more unsafe than, you know, not having enough because you're used to that. And, you know, same with like, well, I have to work really hard, really long to be worthy of this or that. And then it's like, you know, the, it's like when you're used to your whole life being, you know, being an employee or being someone who follows the rules and, 
you know, all that, or, you know, I, I went through a really big shedding process of friendships, which was really painful mm. when I became an entrepreneur. Like my biggest fear when I started my business was getting on story and talking because nobody I knew was actually, you know, putting their face on camera and talking. And I would record like 67 times, like before I would do me both. <laughs> yeah. I was so scared of being judged. And I remember at the beginning, the people who I was friends with, you know, who were not friends now they would, you know, screenshot my post and send it to me and say, you have spelling error here. Or like, I think you meant to say this. Yeah, it's weird. And so that like, I'm, I'm glad that happened in the beginning because I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Not follow my vision to make other people comfortable? Or am I just going to go for it and accept that people are going to talk about me? I have the blessing of not knowing because if they're talking behind my back, I'm not present for those conversations. And it's like, you know, am, am I going to be judged for what I don't do? Or would I rather be judged for what I do? And so yeah. there's so much of that, I think at every level, I feel like that never fully goes away. Oh, for sure. 100%. Yeah. I just experienced that like fear of judgment um, back in like January, because I was in this massive expansion and I felt myself shrinking again to stay comfortable, not actually to stay comfortable, to keep other people comfortable. Because when you shine, oftentimes like those people aren't your friends anymore. And my friends aren't my friends anymore, because when you shine, it unintentionally triggers them to mm. hold a mirror to their face and say, well, if she's doing that, what does it mean about me in relation to that? Or what yes. does it mean about me in relation to this? And not everyone's ready, willing, and able to look at X category of their life. So it's easier for them to just be like, mm, no, you're not for me, or you're too much. I don't like who you are. We're just not going to be friends anymore. Yeah. And then looking at themselves. Yes. And, and that's so powerful that you say that because one of the biggest things of NLP is the, the view of everyone is doing the best they can with the tools and resources, you know, level of healing that they have. And so people like us, and maybe you listening, you know, I can tell the type of person you are listening to a podcast, <laughs> you know, that on something like this, it's like, you want to grow. You're willing to look at things like, yeah, you know, we invite things in where we're like, Ooh, what is this triggering right now? Like, okay, what do I get to look at? And it, it can be, you know, I don't know fun, but it's something that we're willing to do. But people who don't have that level of awareness, or like you said, ready, willing, and able they aren't going to say, oh, seeing Rachel, you know, make all this money online. Like that's actually showing me that I want more for my life. It's like, we're going to default into what we're comfortable with. And so that's where the gossip happens. That's where the judgment happens and judgment. It feels like it's almost like a subtle form of control. It's like, I can control the situation of feeling jealous of Rachel or feeling, you know, not enough compared to what she's doing. So if I can judge it and find fault in it, then I'm it's actually like preserving my, the way I feel about myself. And it's really painful stepping out and doing something different than everybody else. What, what do you have to say about that, Rachel? Cause I know you support a lot of clients in the earlier stages of their business. Like, do you have any wisdom around that? Yeah, I do. But first I want to touch on the gossip. Cause one yes. thing that clicked in my head was like, Ooh, well, here's the thing. Our subconscious mind takes everything literally. So like one thing I remember when I took my practitioner level certification, my teacher said to me that, you know, that's why it's important not to gossip, which I had already learned that at a very young age through a bullying experience and where I, where I got suspended and stuff. So I learned that and I was like, I strayed away from gossip at, like at all costs, but I didn't know that at the time, which is you know, if you're saying, oh, she's too much or she's whatever, she's this, she's that your subconscious hears that and actually says that you're too, too much. You're too small. You're too thin. You're too fat. Whatever it is that you're saying about that other person, your subconscious is actually saying that about you, which keeps you small, dim and uncomfortable and probably even sad, anxious and depressed. So let's just not go there. Yeah. Now, how do we break free from that? Apart from using techniques the biggest like words of wisdom I have is just to remember that you're not for everybody. And you know, what other people say about you is not, not really your business. Like rem really remembering that I'm not going to be able to, to please everyone. Yeah. Set me free. Right. Because everyone's operating from their own model of the world, which can you explain that real quick? Yeah. So that goes back to our programming and that goes back to our internal representations of, you know, that picture that we see in our 
what our reality is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Valerie and I are hanging out right now on this podcast, having a great conversation. And we both have different models of the world based off of our past experiences, um, past programming, our education, our past emotional wounds, our triumphs, all of it. And so through my model of the world right now, I'm having a fantastic conversation. I'm relaxed. I'm having fun. And I have this feeling based off of what I can see by your face right now, Valerie is too. But if she came from a different model of the world where, you know, everything was clouded by like disappointment, for example, she might be here thinking in her head, oh my God, this interview is so bad. When can I be hopping off of this podcast? I just want to click stop. Even though thankfully I can tell by your sensory acuity right now that that's not the case. And I'm grateful for that. That's just an example how there can be two people in the exact same situation. And we're both going to perceive it entirely different, purely based off of what we've experienced, how we think, how we feel right up into this point, even our energy. Like, did you have a good sleep last night? If you didn't, you might show up to this experience completely different to the other person who's in the exact same experience as you. Mm. Yes. That's why it's like, we never really know what's going on in somebody's world. Like yeah. there's so many factors there and that's so powerful. And especially like, you know, with, I love what you said around how gossip is like taking it literally. And that for me was something that I broke through because when I, you know, really struggled with people pleasing up until I was like 28 years old, like I had this big spiritual awakening where I was like, Oh my God, who am I? Like, I didn't know who I was. Like, I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to at my age be really solid in who I am and be able to say, well, this is how I am. But it, it, I wasn't at that place. And, um, a big thing, like a way that I bonded, you know, because with people pleasing you camouflage and you're like, okay, who do I need to be to fit in at this conversation with this person? Okay. This person's funny. How can I be funny? Okay. This person's really smart. Let me turn on my intellect. And for me, like it was like bonding with women through gossip and mm-hmm. one friend in particular who, you know, would gossip a lot. And, and, and that, almost felt safe to me, even though I had that icky feeling inside, like I never walked away from a bashing conversation being like, Oh, I feel so good. Like that, (laughs) that was soul food for me. Like I needed that. It's like, that was my intuition trying to tell me like, dude, stop. And it's like, no coincidence that that's when, when I filled my day with gossip, that was when I was the most depressed. I was numbing out. I had no direction in my life. I was going through the motions and that's you know, think of what I was saying to my subconscious mind all day, every day talking about other people. And so what I learned too, is like, you know, when your subconscious mind is hearing everything takes it personally, it's like, that's why in entrepreneurship, we have so many opportunities to what's the opposite of that celebrating other yeah. people. Yeah. How, cause I know you're such a supporter of boss babes, other women. I mean, the fact that you help other business owners that shows that you want everyone to rise. Like, I know you don't subscribe and competition and limited amounts. So like, what is that energy done for you and your business? Well, I honestly don't know where this fully stems from. I can think of a few different experiences, but I've just always known that com- collaboration over competition is the fastest, easiest, most fun way to grow your business, probably because I've been, I'm I'm constantly in at least one mastermind, Mm -hmm. usually two though, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just constantly in those places, but I've, I've experienced two, two particular moments right now are coming to mind in terms of, you know, leaning more towards collaboration versus competition. And one of those is I was in a mastermind And my high level mentor, who's a great, 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 I love him to death, um, was talking about the power of collaboration and how solopreneurship is dead. If you're not collaborating with people, you're not growing. And I said to him, I was like, look, I have this potential collaboration I want to do with my friend um, who was also in the mastermind. It feels great, but I'm scared because my one-on-one mentor says, don't ever collaborate with people. It's not going to work. They're going to, you can't trust them. Like it's just going to end up bad some way, somehow. And he responded saying that mentor has no idea what they're talking about. If it feels good for you, make sure you have a contract to make sure you can protect your friendship and it'll, you know, it'll go for it type of thing. And I went for it. We hosted our first in-person event together. It was our first in-person event, both of us. 
And it literally catapulted both of our businesses. It took on this new sense of authority in our, our niches and so much so that we ended up doing a second event together and it really supported us. The other thing I'm thinking about is I had one mentor who I was very, very close with. We kind of blurred the lines of like client coach, but also friend. And so she would talk to me about other clients. And then eventually something went off where I think it was my success, to be honest, or triggering her. We've had a conversation since then. We've made amends, but something fell off where she was no longer supporting me the same way. And I had to disconnect myself because I was like, you know what? Something's not authentic here. If she's willing to talk to me about other clients and things that have gone wrong at that point in time, I wonder what she's saying about me to other people right now. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you got to really be careful how you position yourself as a coach as well, not just a client, because you don't ever want to be seen at that light where people can't trust you because of gossip or judgment and criticizing other people. That's just something that shouldn't be present at all. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I love what you said around collaboration versus competition and, you know, it's, yeah, it's an abundant universe. And I truly believe that we end up working with people based on like energy, like, yes, like information and skill set and all that. And so it's like, you know, I I truly believe we're not going to miss out on people who are for us. And I also heard this too. It's like, we don't own people, like people have Mm. free will. So someone can resonate with me for three months and then they want to go work with someone else. Amazing. Or it's like, again, it's an abundant universe. So someone can be in this person's course and be one-on-one with this coach and you can work with multiple people at once. So I love that that's something that you, you know, really believe in, in your business. And I'm sure teach your clients too. Yes. At the very beginning, I just, I remember where it clicked for me now. When I first started my business, I was afraid of competition and all of that. Um, and Gabby Bernstein, I was at a Gabby Bernstein event and somebody said this question, like, well, the market's too saturated. What about competition? Who am I to do this? And she said these exact words. And I'll remember there's no such thing as spiritual competition. Like you just said, we all have our own unique mentors. Like we just have these people that we're destined to meet, destined to connect with and meant to work with. And so your soul clients are literally out there either waiting for you or on their way to you right now. You just have to make yourself available for them. Ooh, I love that. That just made me feel really good inside, which means that it's (laughs) the truth, right? So anything that, you know, and if you were listening to this too, and maybe you had that, that thought too, you were falling into comparison or, you know, feeling like, oh, like I'm saying the same things as everyone else. It's like, if what Rachel said just felt really good, like if you felt like a weight come off your chest, that means that it's the truth landing and resonating in your body. And so listen to that with your body, like the thoughts that feel heavy, that feel like crap, that feel discouraging. Those are lies. Like that means it's not true. So keep coming back to thoughts like that. Like, I love that so much. Yeah. So beautiful. So I would love to hear Rachel, you know, for people listening, I know there's probably people who are like, okay, I want to find out more about Rachel and even more so, you know, what is it that you take entrepreneurs through who have that curiosity to, well, that they, they really have that desire to start working with clients in a deeper way, learn more modalities. Can you talk more about your transcend? Yes, of course. So transcend Academy is a board certified, uh, trauma sensitive coaching program. Mm -hmm. So I like to say that it's for coaches, but honestly, it's for everyone and anyone because we all need this work in our life in order to truly create the life that we dream of. And it's an immersive coaching certification. So what that means is, you know, you get certified in a variety of modalities like NLP, EFT, otherwise known as tapping, hypnotherapy, life and success coaching, time techniques, which is similar to timeline therapy and Transcend Academy coaching method, which is the trauma sensitive coaching component. Um, But more than anything for me, as you can tell through this entire journey, all of my biggest breakthroughs have come from immersive experiences. So the 60 days in treatment, the Tony Robbins events, the Gabby Bernstein events, the spiritual retreats, the masterminds that I'm a part of. Whenever I give myself that time to fully immerse myself in X learning or X community, um, 
completely undistracted from the outside world is where I've received all of my biggest breakthroughs and that massive, like, mm. you know, personal power identity shift. So TA has been designed in a way to give you exactly that. So it's a certification. That's not a certification. I like to call it because it, it, while you walk out with six different certifications, the main intention is for you to have this rapid, powerful personal transformation on an identity level. And so it feels more like a retreat the way we teach it and facilitate it. Um, and we have both virtual and in-person options and it's bee's knees in my opinion. Mm, <laughs> sounds so amazing. And I'll make sure that we have the link inside of the show notes to yeah. check it out. And then how else can people connect with you? So if you're just wanting more of my energy or you just want to dip your toes in the water, which isn't even a dip, it's still a powerful transformation, but maybe you're not ready to get certified yet. We are hosting a 100 person event. We are 50% sold out as of right now um, in Scottsdale, Arizona, July 9th and 10th. Super, super pumped about this. It's not just everything we've been talking about here, but also expert guest speakers in various different uh, niches and industries from owning your self-worth, claiming your confidence, um, creating financial freedom, the feminine way, mm. growing and scaling your business to millions. Um, so it's going to be incredible. So you can grab tickets to elevate and amplify as well, or you can just message me on Instagram to say hi and tell me how incredible this episode was. I'm so down for that as well. Which yes. I always <laughs> say that too. I'm like, please let me know what resonated. Yeah. So reach out to Rachel. Are you at the Rachel joy? I am at the Rachel joy one. And currently I have an imposter who's trying to scam you guys. So make sure it's at the Rachel joy one. There's no period in my username. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have, how many followers do you have on your true go by the follower count? Yeah. I currently have over 15,000. So yeah. that's the real me. Yes. And follow Rachel. Cause she has such incredible reels that are like really clever, really informational. Like she gives, she gives like amazing techniques in there. So follow her, message her, reach out to her and we'll have all her links in the show notes. So you can explore more with her and thank you so much, Rachel. This was such an incredible conversation. I know you and I, like so many things you were saying, I felt like resonated so much. Like, I feel like we could be here for seven <laughs> hours and talk, like we have so many parallels in our stories. And I'm just so grateful that you took the time to come on the podcast, share more with anyone listening. And I'm so excited to see what's to come from this episode for somebody. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Mindful Babes podcast. I hope you loved today's episode and got some takeaways from the message shared today. If anyone in your life would benefit from hearing this episode, please be generous and share it with them on your story. Tag me on Instagram at the Mindful Babe. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave a review on the iTunes store. Your reviews are what keeps this podcast going, and I appreciate you so very much. Have an incredible day, babe. Thank you.